Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Chainsaw Carving Podcast. Sorry, it's been a little while since our last recording. People were pretty busy over the holidays. But we're back, and today I'm going to be talking with Justin Driver from Kentucky. And Justin is also, um, his business is called Once Upon a Log. So let's go ahead and bring Justin on and see what his story is. Hi, Justin. Hey, Molly. Good to have you on today. Uh, nice to be here. Yeah, I know we were talking earlier. We're This is during the cold front, right? I, it's like negative 42 where I am. And how cold is it in Kentucky? Uh, it's probably 30 today. It doesn't get that bad in Kentucky. People who say it do no. are... Um, yeah, they're just kind of silly if I think it's cold here. <laughs> My wife being one of them. <laughs> so the first question I had for you is just what's your story? How did you get started chainsaw carving? Well, I've always been fairly artistic, even when I was younger. Um, so I took a break from that, raising kids for a long time, and I've still got kids. And I've got two acres of land. And my wife, she likes to mow and I don't. So before we got married, I just let one acre grow up. We got married and she's like, honey, can you um, cut those trees down back there and clear that out? So I did that and I, I hate working. I, I really don't like <laughs> it. So, you know, I mean, it's not it's not fun to work, you know, but it's fun to create. Yeah. So I cut this tree down and I was just, had this chainsaw, the first chainsaw I ever had. And. I was like, you know, I bet I can carve something out of that. I can carve a wolf out of that. And I carved uh, I carved something out of it, if you ask my wife or anybody else. But to me, it's the best wolf ever. It's, <laughs> you know, I made the mistake of – so I, I had a regular chainsaw. It wasn't a big chainsaw. But I used a log that was probably eight inches in diameter to carve a chainsaw carving for the first time, which is pretty small considering yeah. what you're working with. But I've always had a background in art and woodworking. So it just made sense to put it all together. And I've always been considered a little odd and out there by most of my friends and everybody that knows me. That's a good thing. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've, I've always thought, you know, everybody's always trying to fit into clicks. And I've always been... Right. They're like, what are you? Are you this click or that click? I'm like, well, I'm just Justin. I'm just me. Yeah. You know, never tried to be anybody but myself. And myself turned to chainsaw carving and, you know, woodworking before that. But I did a little painting. So when you, yeah. When you said you did woodworking, what, what kind of woodworking did you do or who taught you? My dad is always, my dad was always building stuff when I was younger. So, you know how most people are into sports because, to me, because their parents were into sports. My dad never mm -hmm. watched sports. I could care less about baseball or football or who if the Bulls or the Patriots are playing the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter to me, none. I don't mm – -hmm. just don't do anything for me. But wood is always – or I shouldn't say wood. Just creating has always been something to me. I, I spent a little bit of time working on motorcycles and building them when I was younger. <laughs> before you know I had kids and stuff well I shouldn't say that before I was primary caregiver to the children but <laughs> I just had and had you seen chainsaw carving anywhere I don't remember it 
My brother swears we seen it when I was younger, which we probably did, but I don't remember yesterday. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure Maybe it somewhere had, in your subconscious. But as far as I was concerned, I invented it. I was like, "Yeah, this is awesome. I'm doing this," you know. And I, <laughs> I carved that wolf, and then I carved a couple other things in my my, my first year I was carving, I carved maybe five things because I was working so much and have as much time as I wanted. Yeah. And then I changed jobs and I went from working 60 hours a week to working just 40 hours a week. And I had all this extra time and I I just filled it with carving and turned into carving for, you know, 10 hours a week to carving to 40 hours a week and working more carving than I did at my regular job. It just, mm-hmm. I just got addicted to it. You know, anybody gets addicted to anything, it takes over the life. Yeah. So the next question I had for you, how have competitions and events helped to shape you as a carver? Like how would, how would carving be different for you if you didn't go to events? <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with events. I love going yeah. to them. I mean, they're great. They're a great way to grow as a carver. You meet people and just you learn so much. I, I recommend any carver go to an event, whether they compete or not, even just to meet people and watch them. You learn stuff right. from them. And when I first started, the first event I did was an arts and crafts show, just a local one. And I actually met my first, I'd probably been carving for a year. And I met the first carver that I, that I ever met besides myself. And that was Abby Peterson. And Okay. You know, I, I just thought, oh, wow, oh, there's somebody else. Like, like, who's that guy over there? What's he in my area? Taking my business or what? Which I didn't really have no business. <laughs> I was just, it was my first time going there. And I, you, you know Abby. Abby's like yeah. the nicest guy you'll ever meet. So friendly. Yeah. You know, and he come over there and I'm I'm a little more standoffish, I guess I was. And he come over, hey, come over here and say hi to me when you get a chance. So I went over there and. We were both fairly amateurish at that time. He had been carving for maybe a year longer than me. I don't know, but not a real long time. So, but in our eyes, we're awesome. I mean, <laughs> well, when you're a carver, you get told that you're awesome by everybody. So it goes to your head. Right. You know, and then, <laughs> so that's another reason to go to events, knock you down a level. So, and, Abby taught me about all kinds of events. You know, I never knew. I didn't know what Ridgeway Wandavue was or any of that stuff. So he tells me this, and I'm I'm just planning. I'm going to do this and this and this one, you know. And I, right. go, to the Ridge, I go to the Ridgeway Wandavue, and I get there thinking, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm going to show these guys who's boss. But then I get there, and I set up. And when I'm set, setting up, there's a few people there, and I walk. I get everything unloaded and I start walking down the thing. And the first thing I see is, is Mark Bosworth. And to me, he's one of the better carvers out there. And I just, I just thought, man, I'm not very good at this. (laughs) Cause I mean, I guess it's an ego thing. If you're a carver, you gotta have an ego of some sort. Cause everybody tells you how great you are. Yeah. I I know what you're saying. Low locally people are like oh yeah you're so good and i feel the same way and then i i'm like oh you haven't seen the others <laughs> exactly yeah you just don't know yeah and then you also get that loyalty when you're 
local to some people like, Oh, you're the best carver there is. And you'll see someone post something and it'll be 10 times better than anything you've ever carved. And one of your right. friends will get on there and be like, Oh, you're way better than that. And you're like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. But thank you. <laughs> it's like parents with their kids. They're, they're blinded. But <laughs> yeah. I don't think I lost. Yeah. I guess we got a little off track there, but as far as comp- oh, that's all right. Stories are good. <laughs> as far as competing, you learn a lot from competing because you got you got a lot of different aspects of it. Like, are you competing in a people's choice event, or is it a auction based event, or is it a judged event? Mm-hmm. So, you guys, ask yourself: Do you want to win? If you want to win an auction based event, you gotta think. What are these people going to buy? So you're going to say, well, they're going to buy a bear. And that drives me mm-hmm. insane. Everybody goes to the bear. But, I mean, they're going to sell. Especially if you're doing something right. like a high auction and you're doing as many pieces as you can. You carve 20 bears, you're going to do better than someone that carved five really nice pieces. Mm-hmm. I mean, because a bear goes for 100 bucks a piece. That's twenty. That's two thousand dollars. If uh, you do five five hundred dollar pieces, but they don't want to appeal to the right person, well, you might get a hundred bucks out of them and get five hundred. So you're going to lose, even if your pieces were nicer and higher quality than the multiple pieces of a lower quality bear. Which I don't mean to say people are lower quality as far as bears go, but yeah, there they are. For the most part, when you're doing yeah. that speed carving, it's not going to be as nice as someone who spends time on something. Or if you're doing a judge competition, which I haven't did very many of them, you got to think, what are the judges going to like? And I'd say most of the time, unless they're experienced judges, like a higher end competition, it's going to be whatever's cute. So you got to carve something cute. Mm-hmm. And then people's choice is the same way. I mean, the best piece might not win. It'll be the piece that most people like, which... Is usually a bear, sadly. Right. Yep. <laughs> I guess I got I got issues with bears apparently. <laughs> no. I no, think not. a lot of people do. Like a love hate thing with bears. Yeah. Not really. I like bears. I mean, I like carving bears, but I do goofy yeah. bears, and I don't like to do the same bear over and over again. I like to push my bears in different directions, or or if if you do a competition bear, I think you need to try for a really well done bear instead of a sure just a quick bear but yep that's my thoughts on that matter which are right or wrong or indifferent yeah i mean you can make friends say say if you're at home talking to your wife or you're at work talking to your coworkers or just talking to friends outside of work or whatnot well if you want to talk about carving all the time or i do it consumes yeah. your life. And I got told all the time, I get told, Justin, shut up. We don't talk about that. But I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to talk about sports, but that's what you want to talk about. So Right. And you have to do that all the time. Exactly. So, you know, usually when someone says about sports, I'll just say, they'll be like talking about the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. Yeah. The Charlotte Hornets are going to win. You know, I, I never reference the correct sports team because. You know, I don't care or know anything about it. <laughs> I feel exactly the same way. 
you know. Yeah, no, my husband gets the most of it. He has to listen to me talk about carving all the time. <laughs> exactly. He, probably, he, under, he understands what you're talking about. Probably drives him insane. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yep. So I was just going to ask you, um, how, what, or who do you study for inspiration um, and or to like build your skills? So when I first started, I just carved out of my mind. I was like, yeah, I'm going to carve a wolf and a bear and, you know, what did it look like in my head? Well, that didn't work out very good. I carved a bear. It didn't really look like a bear. A wolf didn't really look like a bear. It might look like my bear or my wolf, but it didn't really look like a bear or a wolf. Just what I thought one looked like as far as structure and sure. anatomy, you know. Then I started referencing sketches. I looked at pictures, but it's so hard to see the lines. So you kind of get a picture and you get just the shape of it. And you can see it, but it's hard to place those lines onto a carving. Then you got the uh -huh. only one-sided version of it. So you're, you're trying to come up with the rest of it. Even if you take two pictures, you still got to figure out, how do I get this to this? So it's really hard. So I really liked sketches when I first started. Mm -hmm. I didn't really look at many people in my first six months because well, I didn't know anybody else did it so I didn't really think about it mm -hmm. so but then I then I got on Facebook and I got on the internet and started looking at this stuff you know and I see these people I'm like oh my gosh these are awesome and I know one of my favorite carvers when I started was John Vincent I just I just loved how cute it was and it just caught my eye for some reason. So I yeah. I looked at his stuff, and a lot of people say my bears kind of resemble his, which I tried my hardest not to mimic anybody's, but yeah. it's, it's hard not to. And anybody can say, well, you're carving, you're going to look like somebody's. But in reality, everybody's looks like what was created by God or whatever anybody thinks created everything, evolution or God or however they think. It was created by that, so everybody's copying to an extent. But I recommend always using the actual animal or a picture of that actual animal as opposed to another carver's carvings because sure. you'll get more true to the form. Now, that's, that being said, I don't think a lot of people really like the way a bear looks. They, they think they do. Because they think about a teddy bear. But a teddy bear don't want right. a bear. Especially a real black bear. Exactly. People don't want that, I don't think. Unless you're hoppy quick and you can pull it off just phenomenally good or Chad Danzig. You can't really, Yeah. you know, you usually mess up trying to get that realistic on a black bear. So you do a cute bear and it, you know, it gives you, oh, that's a teddy bear. Hey, I love teddy bears. Mm-hmm. But... Then, but the longer I carve, the more I want to get better. Not not at bears, but at anything. So, I've started looking at Pinterest. It's a really good place to reference stuff. But or three D yeah. statues. Three D statues are really good too. But Pinterest is great. You can make your little um, folders and stuff, and whatever. I've only been doing that recently because Abby was like, "You need to get on Pinterest." And I'm like. I cannot Pinterest. That's for girls. 
<laughs> right? And <laughs> redecorate the house. Yeah, I th- I'm thinking it's just going to be, you know, little arts, crafts projects. And he's like, no, man, you get the best references ever. And so I started doing that. And I, I really like Pinterest. I can get my eagles here or my bears here. Or I just did a dog. You know, I had to get, I got a statue of the dog and I got 50 pictures on Pinterest. You know, to try to combine what I like the best of every picture to make what I want it to look like. Now, of course, it doesn't, right. it doesn't ever look like I want it to. I guess that's the biggest struggle. You see this picture in your head, but it never turns out exactly like you want it. I guess that's the struggle for any any artist. Yeah, I was going to say I have the same struggle. Yeah. And then? No, and I agree. I have all kinds of folders on Pinterest on different different animals, anatomy, studying before I do a carving. Yeah. And it's so nice because I always have my phone, you know, when I'm carving, if I need to look at the pictures too. Exactly. Yeah. So this is great. Yeah. So I know that your brother is also an artist. Um, and does he, does he do like foraging or what does he do? Does he make knives? Well, my brother's, um, well, he's my twin. I told you that earlier. So I get, oh, yeah. we've always tried to stand out because I guess we've always had to compete with each other because it's always like, well, sure. there's Dustin and there's Justin because it's Dustin and Justin. It's, that's, that's horrible to do to your kids. <laughs> you know? So we got called Ustins most of the time, but so he doesn't, <laughs> but my brother's um probably more straight laced and serious than I am. So he, um, okay. He doesn't like to do stuff that's not efficient. So he's like, well, I ain't going to forge. That's stupid. If I forge something, I'm going to yeah. forge a flat stock and then grind it down to a blade anyways. So why not just buy a flat stock and grind it down? And sure. So he has forged before, but he thinks it's a waste of a process if he can just buy the material already done. Yeah. I've, but you know, he makes knives. He makes really nice knives. I mean. Yeah. I think I've seen some of them. Yeah. To me, I don't, I don't, to me, I don't get it. You know, why does anybody want the knife that costs, you know, $500,000, you know, that people do, but he's the same way with carving. He's like, why would anybody want to pay that much for a chainsaw carving? He's like, yeah, I like the small ones, but I don't want to buy no thousand dollar sculpture. I want to buy, you yeah. know, a little one that's, you know, more unique, you know, so. He's got a few of mine. I've actually made some displays for him when he goes to his show he goes to once a year. Okay. But I guess we always just want to stand out. Yeah. So why do you think uh, being creative runs in your family? What What do you think inspired both of you besides standing out? Like, are there other artists in your family? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say there are any other artists per se. My dad... He's always been a little eccentric and he's been, he's a builder, I guess. So I guess in, in a way that's an art form. So, you know, when I was a kid, he'd be building, you know, a box or, or a log cabin or just this crazy idea. He'd get in his head and he'd go by. One time I remember he bought a whole pack of firecrackers and he drilled a hole in a log and he just poured all the gunpowder out of the firecrackers and made a bomb. So, 
just doing <laughs> stupid stuff. So, yeah. yeah. So I guess I learned it from him a little bit. And that's probably a lot of the reason I'm the way I am because he was the way I, he was. And I was never, I was never told that I had to conform to some certain standard, sure. which I believe a lot of people are probably expected to, you know, how you're expected to go to college and do this. My dad was more like, well, you should just quit school and work with me, you know, when I was in high right. school, which I didn't do. I went and graduated high school and they went to college, but it was honestly a waste of time and a lot of aspects of the way because I didn't really follow that career path. I just did it for the heck of it. One day, sure. one day I woke up and said, I'm going to go to college today and started school that day and did it. Should have thought that through a little bit. But. Yeah, I always thought that too when, when I was in college, they would even tell people like, freshmen and sophomores like don't worry about picking your major yet you can pick it later and I'm like you guys are going to take a whole lot of classes you don't need for anything <laughs> yeah yeah I went to I went, yeah. I went to electronics college so I guess I should know how to work on computers but it just didn't appeal to me when I did it but yeah and also the same thing with chainsaw carving one day I just said I'm gonna do this and started doing it so that's just kind of who I am I guess just try it out yeah uh, yeah I've always had a pretty big belief that anybody can do anything they want to do. They might not be good at it, but they can do it. They can try it. But most people, right. most people are scared to try new things, from my experience. That's, that's true. But, yeah, I think fear is what stops a lot of yeah, people. I mean, I know I still work, but I have actually went part-time at my job, but I'm probably going back full-time because my wife's going to go to school to support me my artist dreams <laughs> but, so, <laughs> but i i got it that's i've awesome. actually got a pretty good regular job which actually can contributes to my carving too because what i do with my work is i'm working a manufacturing window plant and i'm a continuous improvement technician so my job is to help manufacture and run better so i guess if you need some tips on how to car faster i'd probably be pretty good at that i don't know <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> one thing i found too like you know i i work a full-time job as a teacher and i find myself wishing i could carve more and you know watching other people improve when i can't carve much at all um and you it'd be nice like you said to go part-time but i know one thing too, though, when I carve, I only carve what I want to carve usually, yeah. you know, right now. So, because I don't have to worry about the money aspect of it as much. So I don't know. It's, there's blessings and curses to either way, you know, having a jo another job or not having another job. Yeah, that's very true. But I know when I, when I went to put my two weeks notice in at my job, I was terrified. I was like, you know, I make pretty decent money carving. I've never had a problem with that, but yeah, I didn't have to. You know, if I didn't make money, it was all right. So, so right. I put my two weeks notice in, and my boss offered me a part time gig, and I was like, "That'll work." He pretty much gave me anything I wanted. I just needed more time off, so I told him, and mm -hmm. you know, he worked with me, and then 
the company I worked for did some restructuring and they're like, well, we're going to do these new schedules. And I, uh, my boss said something like about some of the schedules. Like, well, heck, I would have did that. That was a couple of weeks ago. It was three 12 hour shifts. I was like, I would have did that. And he's like, sure. I can make that happen. I'm like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't really mean it. But <laughs> wait, wait. But then I come home and talk to my wife and she was like, interested in going to school because she's a nurse or she's not a nurse, she's a medical assistant and she works next to nurses who make twice as much as she does doing the same thing and she was like, well, I wouldn't mind going to school to be a nurse. I'm like, she's worried about insurance. So I was like, well, I'll go back full time for a limited amount of time. I said, said, you got this long. So I said, I I got two years or however long, you know, I said, when I'm 40, I'm going to quit and do carbon full time but so i made that deal with her so yeah i want to be working a little more and carving a little less but i'm also decided that like you said you carve what you want to carve the next three years i'm going to focus on improving my abilities yeah and carving what i want to carve so that's um that's a pretty big deal to me I don't have to carve a bear if I don't want to carve a bear or an eagle or an owl. Right. Which I never really have. I've always, I've did quite a few odd things and they've always sold pretty good. I think people are just scared to carve stuff besides the bears. Yeah. Like to the bears. Always with the bears and chainsaw carving. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think it will be forever. <laughs> yep. Okay, so my next question is, what drives you to keep getting better, and how do you make sure you keep feeling that drive? A lot of my drive is I just want to be better. I know I want to do excellence in anything I do. I've never been one to be subpar at anything. And, you know, you get told all the time, well, you're just so talented. Well, no, I'm not talented. I just worked really hard to try to improve. You know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of practice, a lot of studying. You know, you know that ability to say, I want to carve a bear that looks like a bear, not just a bear that looks like a teddy bear. I want to be able to do that. Um, or if I want to carve a human figure, I want to be able to do that. So I just want to be, I want to be good at anything I do. You want to push yourself harder and harder. Because if you don't want to be great, what's the point of doing it? I don't I don't see the point of doing anything if you don't want to do a good job at it. Like some people I don't think really care if they're good at it. They just want to make money. I I can't do that. I'd much rather sell a nice piece for less than push out a fast piece and you know, make a little bit more money just because someone likes that better. But I guess that's a not a good business motto, but some more model for me. I suppose that comes back though to your purpose as an artist, like your your why, why you're doing it and and what you care about if you're your main reason for doing it. Yeah, if your main reason for doing it's money, then you'll probably never be great at it. More than likely. If you don't have a passion for the actual art you're creating. Right. And it it could be both the creating and money, but you need both. Yeah, uh, some people are probably in that boat where they've got to make money, but they still need to carve for themselves. 
you can't just carve a hundred pieces just because you want to make money. You got to carve a piece that you want to carve. Mm-hmm. That's just because if you're doing that, you might as well just go get a job working at some random place, some factory. If you want to make a hundred bears, I mean, just go get a job at a factory making windows. I mean, that's what I've done for the last 15 years. So it kind of works. I know, and as an artist, it always drives me crazy. Uh, the, the thing you were talking about earlier, where everybody just thinks you have this natural talent, like magically bestowed upon you. And and you're going, no, no, man, I've worked really hard at this. And I wasn't naturally talented right away. I love telling my students, like the stories of how many times I failed before I actually made something decent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, sure, you might have some natural talent. I'm not going to say people don't, because there are some people who are artistic and some right, yeah, somewhere to But start. you're not going to get yeah. out there and carve a really nice piece unless you take the time to learn the anatomy, learn the learn the process, and all that stuff. You can go out there and carve a bear, or of whatever you want to call it, you call it a bear. It's not a bear, but it's something. And yeah, people are going to love it. But are you going to love it? Are you going to be proud of it? If you're not proud of what you do, what's the point of doing it? It's just, it's so hard to want to create these masterpieces and not be able to do it. I want to, you know, you look at Akura Kodoma or, you know, Taka or any of the great carvers out there which I have a big respect for the Japanese carvers. They, they're incredible. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's other ones that aren't, but, or are, you know, but just the people I've seen that I look up to as carvers or, you know, I love Taka stuff. I love the car stuff because they're not bears. They're, they're, you know, you Taka will do a statue with a monkey and a giraffe and a hippo. And it's, it's so awesome to me because, if you do that here, more than likely you're not going to sell it. Yeah. Now he might have that market over there, but I want to do that here. Why? Because I want to do it. You know? Right. Like the big T-Rex I did. I didn't think I'd ever sell that. Mm-hmm. I just did it because I wanted to do it. But. So what would you tell young carvers or carvers that are new to chainsaw carving? What advice would you give them? I guess the first advice I would say is do as I say, not as I do. Why you're protected here? Because I I should probably do a lot better job at that, and so I can be safe. Because you know, if you're not wearing your chaps and your eye protection, ear protection, good chance you're gonna get hurt. Especially if you're new and have never used a chainsaw. Even if you have used a chainsaw, you're doing it different than a normal chainsaw is meant to be used. Yeah. So just definitely be careful. But besides that, have fun. Don't just carve for money. I know I didn't make I didn't make any money off my carvings for the first six months I was doing it because well I didn't even think I could for one, but then the glory of Facebook is you post pictures on Facebook and someone say, Hey, can I buy that? And you're like, Well, uh, uh oh, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and you're like you're like you're like twenty bucks. And, <laughs> and the other you know, carvers <laughs> are going, No, no <laughs> and, it, and it's it's not a good bear. But you spent like five hours on it and you sell it for 20 bucks. You're like, oh, yeah, I made 20 bucks. <laughs> but, 
you know. I'd, I'd say don't carve for money when you first start carving, unless you absolutely have to. Carve for fun. Carve because you enjoy it. Um, and I guess, really, I'm actually a fairly young carver in a lot of aspects. How I long mean, have you been carving? I've been carving four years. Okay. So, so I don't know what some people consider a long time because I know I've met carvers that have been carving for 30 years. And I'm like, wow, I wish I would have started 20 years ago. I know. I think I met around 10 years and most carvers still tell me that I'm new. So I'm like, yeah. okay, all right. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, so I get, I would, I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm new, but, <laughs> but you got to ask yourself, you know, you've been carving for four years, but how much time have you got to dedicate to carving? You know, where some people might be carving for 20 years, but they carve, you know, five pieces a year. They're just true hobbyist carving just every once in a while. Yeah, but, and I yeah. suppose my 10 years when I'm teaching full-time is probably more like five. Exactly. So, so. it's like me. I'd spend every waking moment I could carving, you know. It helped out my wife. Um, didn't like me very much. It kicked me out of the house to the <laughs> shop. So. You know, it was peaceful out there. She's hitting me now. <laughs> I think they should um make sure they push themselves. Don't get caught up in the trap of money, which I said don't carve for money at first. But when you start doing it for money, don't get caught up in that trap of, well, you know, I can carve a bear in an hour and make 100 bucks. Well, yeah, you can, but you could also carve something else way better and make more. And take chances. I mean, I, I've almost, I've almost tell people to mess a carpet up on purpose, just so they have to push themselves in a different direction. You know. Sure. Because most of my best pieces were stuff I messed up and had to work around something or whatnot or change it to something that wasn't going to be in the first place. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to push yourself and make mistakes. And take care of your body. I mean, you really got to take care of yourself because if you don't, you're going to hurt yourself. If you start getting sore carving, you probably should take a break. I'm, I push myself really hard when I carve, and I've, I'll carve for like three days straight, for eight hours a day, 100 miles an hour, and I feel it the next couple of days, which some competitions are like that. So you, you kind of have to, or you don't, mm-hmm. but you choose to because the more you carve them, more you make or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Also, slow down. Take your time. Learn what you're doing. I guess I get this from manufacturing. I was a I was a line foreman for a long time. And I see people come and they work for me and they want to do a good job. Everybody wants to do a good job in my opinion, for the most part. There's you know that slight percentage that doesn't. But they try to go really fast and they mess up. So learn what you're doing before you try to go fast at it. So I guess that's just... Especially when it comes to speed carving. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be... You you take... Even if you're doing a carving that you're not necessarily saying it's speed carving, you're doing an hour-long carving, which speed carving can... Some people say that. I mean, me, you can carve... You know, I can carve a whole bench in an hour and another bear if I want. But... If you take an extra 10 minutes on that carving, so instead of taking an hour on it, take an hour and 15 minutes, you can have 
a piece that is twice as good for just a little bit more effort. Mm-hmm. But but then the next time you carve it, you'll be able to do that same piece twice as good in an hour and ten minutes. And the next time, you know, an hour and five minutes. And then a couple times later, you'll be able to do it in an hour. You're going to have a piece that's twice as good and take the same amount of time. All because you took your time in the first place mm-hmm. and learned what you were doing. Some people might take that in consideration when they're trying to get fast. <laughs> Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or anything I didn't ask you? Oh, look, say, maybe price. Probably shouldn't talk about that, should we? <laughs> it depends. Do you want to open a whole can of, can of worms? Or? <laughs> I'll be up in arms about price. <laughs> this is a pet peeve of mine. You know, I, I hear people always say, well, you got to do it for $100 a foot. Well, yeah. Why? Why you got to do it for $100 a foot? I mean, I've seen pieces that are worth $100 a foot. But they're, who's to say that piece isn't worth $50 a foot and this piece isn't worth $1,000 a foot? Why limit mm-hmm. yourself to say, hundred dollars a foot. I would much rather make a thousand dollars a foot than a hundred dollars a foot. Yeah. But that's just me and I, I I think about what um I look at and I try to price fair in my opinion. Would I pay a hundred dollars for that? No. And I understand that it's a skill that I've obtained that some people can't. And I know a lot of people are probably thinking Dang it, that guy's crazy, you know, but if it's not worth $100 a foot, it's not worth $100 a foot. And people probably think I'm on the low, low side of prices. I don't know, but that's just me. I'd rather carve something for $1,000 a foot than $100 a foot. Take my time, do a good job. I, uh, I remember pricing being really tough when I was a new carver. You know, no, tough to nail down. And I had some carvers, you know, telling me to sell stuff cheaper in the beginning because, you know, I was new and my stuff wasn't maybe quite as detailed. And then I had other carvers saying, like, no, you can't price cheap because you're going to lowball the rest of us and you're ruining the pricing in the area. And I mean, I just had all different advice and I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I'm thinking. You know, I've heard people say, well, your prices are too low. I'm thinking, well, you could buy them all and sell them for higher if you want. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're that low. Why aren't you buying them? Yeah, it's tough. You get all kinds of different advice. You know, and some other thing I would say is don't be afraid to carve a, a variety of price ranges. You know, I carve a lot of stuff that's $20. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes five minutes. You know, maybe maybe ten minutes for for twenty dollars. That's um use your scrap wood. Mm-hmm. Um and everybody has twenty dollars. I mean right. you you have a hundred people come into the store or wherever you're at, hundred people come in there. There might be one that's gonna spend a thousand dollars if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. You know, there might be five that'll spend a hundred dollars. But there's probably 75 that'll spend $20. So $20 adds up, you know. Right, the little so, grab grab and carry. Yeah. So a I've lot heard of people a lot of, too don't want to carry big stuff. Yeah, I've heard a lot of carvers say 
they want car for less than a hundred dollars, something like that. I, to me, that's nonsense. If if you can make twenty dollars in five minutes, why not? My regular job, I make twenty dollars, takes me an hour. I mean, I, yeah, that's just my thoughts on the thing. Another thing about pricing, make sure you're giving your customer a high quality piece for the price they're paying. I mean, mm-hmm. don't use crappy wood that you know is going to not last. I mean, you know it's going to crack, but make sure you inform the customer of that, which they're still not going to listen to you, and they're going to come call you probably and say, <laughs> this is cracking, and be like, well, I told you that. Right. Like, well, but I didn't know you meant it. You know, but. I actually put that. I don't know who I got it from, but somebody had it. I put it on the back of my business card, like carving care instructions. And the first thing says, yeah. I guarantee this will crack. <laughs> so then yeah. I always give them a card and I tell them verbally. <laughs> yep. But, you know, people still think they're like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, and then it happens. They're surprised, I guess. I don't know. Which yeah. I've never had anybody. I've never had anybody throw a big fit about it because I've always told them. So make sure you tell them. Then you won't have that problem of dealing with people who get dissatisfied about it. Right. And I will say another piece of advice that I will say that I wasn't very good at. I'm I'm really bad about thinking I can do everything by myself. I don't need no help with nothing. I can do it. Don't be afraid to take a class. Don't be afraid to go somewhere and learn some fun, even if it costs you money. That was – Probably one of the best things I've did this year was take a class with Jeff Ferris. Mm-hmm. You know, because you want to carve a face and you know what a face looks like, but making it look like that is completely different than you think it is. You think, oh, I'll do this and it's going to look like, you, well, there's a lot of little tricks that they, someone can teach you to make it like it needs to be. And study, right. study, study. Don't be afraid to study. I mean, look at pictures. Look at look at people. Just randomly look at strangers. They're walking down the road, so they think you're creepy. <laughs> ask you why you're looking at them. Be like, well, um, well, I like your nose, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be an mean? awkward conversation. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you like my nose? Well, I'm a chainsaw carver, so <laughs> I never did that scenario, but you know, you know that that kind of stuff. I don't look at dudes' noses, but whatever. <laughs> but even if you look at other carvers and the way they carve, like say a person's face, they'll carve, they'll carve stuff on their own faces from what I could tell. You know, like if someone has a skinny nose, when you see their carving, they carve a skinny nose. Something like that, which that's just something I've noticed and could not be true, but that's what I've seen. Yeah. Well, it's been it's been really good talking with you and hearing all your stories about how you got into this. Thanks for listening to the Chainsaw Carving podcast today. We also have a lot of other episodes, so be sure to go and check those out. We love getting stories out so that carvers can connect with each other and hear from each other and learn from each other. If you guys have a good idea for who I should interview next or certain topics or subjects that you'd like to hear about, you can go ahead and email them to me at wistywoodworks at gmail.com. See you next time.